We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to an NFL Week 7 edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast, sponsored, of course, by the best sports book in the land, BetMGM. Make sure if you're betting on football this weekend, you're doing it over at BetMGM.com or on the BetMGM app, and you're using our promo code BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O, all one word, BETROTO. Nick Whalen here with John McKechnie. Jonathan, I am not... Uh, at a random Marriott south of Denver. I'm back in my studio. We got better audio quality this week. I got multiple screens that I could look at. We were we were kind of laboring through uh, last week, and, and it showed in the results. I, I, I did not hit my best bet. I'm back on the read this week. Uh, but nonetheless, looking forward to breaking down week seven with you. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, um, it, it's it's good to have you back in, in the studio, of course, uh, although a, a little introducing a little entropy uh you know get getting outside the comfort zone you know i, I think it you know it, it's like how uh the cincinnati bearcats will will go to this random town in indiana for their fall camp it, it kind of builds some toughness or like the junction boys of old uh with alabama they, they would go to like texas or something uh for their two a day so you know basically last week's pod was that for you yeah and now you know you, you know so you've practiced in the adverse conditions to right. be ready for, for the real game conditions. Right, exactly. And, you know, like, especially being in the altitude there, right? Like everything should feel easier now. And I, I actually came out, I was above 500 ATS last week somehow. I, I think I was 500 straight up. I mean, it was it was a carnage week for sure. Uh, probably the biggest carnage week we've had so far. And it, it feels like we've had two or three already. Um, you know, we don't want to spend too much time looking back, but uh, obviously, you know, the, the upset that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers suffered, that was a big one. We saw the Packers go down. We saw the 49ers go down. The Ravens, my best bet last week, not only did they not cover, they didn't even win against Ugh. the Giants. Uh, a rough week there. But um, I, I want to ask you kind of a, a more of a big picture question. And we've been talking about this, you know, in, around the office all week. We brought it up on the SiriusXM show uh, that Rotowire hosts. Who's the fourth best team in the NFL right now, John? Oof, that that is the is the question of our time, right? I mean, like it is. I mean, the, the top three is so obvious between between the Bills, the the Eagles, and the Chiefs, and then it really is just like, uh, just 
so wide open beyond that. I mean, like the, the Bucks have the fourth best Super Bowl odds, but like I don't trust them. And obviously having lost their game as eight point favorites to to the to the Steelers last week, although it was on the road. Uh, you know, like the teams like the the Packers, the Ravens, they just feel fraudulent to me. I, I honestly kind of feel like it, maybe not at this moment, but by the time that, you know, we, we get into December, I think it's going to be either the Niners or the Cowboys uh, checking in as, yeah. as the fourth best team. I, I feel like the way that the Cowboys were able to kind of like weather the storm without Dak Prescott, and we learned a lot about them. We learned mm-hmm. how good their defense is. And now if we can get the offense that I believe led the league in scoring last year, if they can get back on track, uh, I know they did lose some pieces from a year ago. You know, you don't just like replace Amari Cooper and all that. But I, I think that it I graded them a little bit too harshly week one, you know, the, the way their offense looked against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I think that the Cowboys pretty much are for real or about as yeah. real as the Cowboys are going to be. So um, yeah. I, I think that in a league that's as wide open as it is right now, um, I, I think it's either them or the Niners with the kind of like common thread between the two of them being elite defense. Yeah, I think you're on the right track. And it's funny because we didn't mention 5-1 and one Minnesota. I, I don't think they're frauds necessarily. Um, I, I just haven't been really convinced. And I think the difference between Dallas and San Francisco versus teams like Green Bay and Tampa Bay is I don't think Tampa Bay and Green Bay have excuses. You know, the, the, the losses that they've taken recently are, are alarming for a number of reasons. Whereas San Francisco, you know, you're on the road. You pointed this out astutely last week. They stayed on the East Coast after playing Carolina two weeks ago, you know, kind of a weird travel situation. You're like half of your defense is out. I don't think I put enough stock into that last week. They clearly missed a lot of their playmakers on that side of the ball. So you could say, all right, we'll chalk that one up to some key injuries. Um, And then for Dallas, obviously you haven't had your starting quarterback for a complete game yet this season. So those teams to me are are on the way up. Certainly Green Bay and Tampa Bay could get their seasons turned around. But uh, for for those teams, I I, kind of am left wondering like, what's, what's the move here? You know, with Green Bay, it's like, Okay, could you trade for Chase Claypool? Could you trade for Elijah Moore, who just requested a trade within the last hour? Yeah, maybe Ooh. that helps a little bit, but I, I don't feel like they're a Chase Claypool away uh, from all of a sudden being a Super Bowl contender. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think those are the two teams that I would pinpoint as well. And, of course, we're assuming Buffalo, KC, and Philadelphia uh, are the top three teams in the league right now. That seems uh, you know, pretty much unanimous at this point. I, I want to ask you, you know, we, we talked Coach of the Year a couple weeks ago, and I, I don't want to dive too deep into that, but – Interesting to me that, you know, Mike McCarthy is 30 to one right now to win coach of the year. And I think it's just because he's Mike McCarthy, like any other coach, I feel like would be getting so much praise for, you know, piloting Cooper rush through this, you know, four and one without Dak Prescott. What a, you know, what a record. This is so great. But because it's Mike McCarthy, everybody's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's not a good coach. No, that's totally true. So that, that has kind of like worked against him a little bit. Yeah. I know last time that we talked that, that he was someone that, that we kind of circled, um, as a, a nice little dark horse uh, coach of the year. I, I mean, it 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 is kind of crazy to me that Sirianni like holds as like this this prohibitive favorite right now. But D- Dable is closing in, and I think that Dable um, he would be my my bet right now uh, if I were to to jump back in on, on this particular market because the the Giants really are just kind of like outperforming. Uh, expectations and, and just kind of like finding the, these crazy ways to win that that you just wouldn't expect. And they're doing it against, you know, teams that we think are pretty good at this point. And then, you know, going back to the, to the Vikings for a second, because it, they've got a first year head coach. And that's oftentimes a place that you want to start uh, with, with your uh, coach of the year looks because it 
other than like a historically great season, that's kind of the direction that it goes. As long as like a first year coach does well, um, that that's kind of where it goes. And, and you said the Vikings aren't frauds. And I think, I think that's interesting because yeah, it's true. Like if you just kind of check the pulse, check the temperature, no one is saying that the Vikings are frauds, but no, but no one's all, I think that's because no one is saying that they're particularly good for being a five and one team, which, is, which is an, in, they're like in this weird limbo where we're, we keep asking like, who's good in the NFL. The Vikings have this great record and we're, and we just kind of like push them aside a little bit. It's just, I don't really know what to make of it exactly, but the Vikings are are interesting in that way. Yeah, the Vikings are interesting. And I think even if they don't really convince us that they're a good team or a great team, I should say, they're in the driver's seat right now uh, in the NFC North. They have the tiebreaker over Green Bay. They beat them in week one. They're up two games. So almost by default, you know, you could kind of pencil Minnesota in as like the likely two or three seed in the NFC as of right now. And a lot can change, of course. We're not even halfway through the year, but they're going to be in position, you know, just get in the tournament and anything can happen. Uh, so Minnesota, you know, despite not being all that convincing, sitting at five and one, uh, they're in a pretty good spot right now. Um, let's move over to week seven right away. We, we don't need to look back. Last week was a disaster. I don't really feel like there are even that many uh, tangible takeaways, but we'll go right into what we've been doing each week. Give me a line or two. That's a little too high to you right now over at BetMGM. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll go back to, to the Ravens. Well, I, I don't feel like you can trust them with the way that they close games, the way that they perform in the second half, um, to, with, with close to a touchdown against a divisional opponent, despite all the flaws that, that the Browns do, uh, obviously have. I think that there's maybe a little bit too much deference to, um, the, the dolphins as a seven point favorite against Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, uh, the Steelers, we, we just, kind of have to get used to them being these heavy underdogs now you know this is the third week in a row that they're touchdown or more uh dogs you know dating back to the buffalo game then of course the bucks game now we got this one this one being on the road the quarterback situation a little bit more murky uh this time around on the pittsburgh side on, on the dolphin side they do get Tua back which certainly helps but i'm not sure i'm ready to jump back in with with uh with both feet there and then uh you know dovetailing off the steelers we get another situation. We we unpacked this pretty good last week for, for the Rams-Panthers game where it's like, oh, well, I mean, the Panthers, yes, they are probably the worst team in football, but how do we how do you believe in the Rams covering like a two-score spread the way that the way that it was setting up last week? And we're we're met with the same set of conditions here this week when it comes uh to the Bucs going up to Carolina. Um, I think the way that the Bucs played last week. I think that they they are probably pretty determined to, to snap back into things. And last week with with the Panthers, we had a little bit more like potential. You know, this is pseudoscience. This is you know <laughs> just basing it off of soft things. But you know, it's like, oh, do they get a bump off of Matt Rule leaving? Do they do they get a bump off of Baker Mayfield? They, they let at halftime. They yeah, were up. They yeah. got the bump. They had the t- they had the dang pick six and like that that would be like the only thing that they would show on red zone for, from that game and then is like oh yeah but the Rams are are killing them, um but yeah it, bottom line here, uh ten and a half just it's it's a high number for for a Bucks offense that really hasn't gotten its gotten its uh, tush and gear so far. Yeah, thanks for keeping this PG and going oh, yeah. with tush. I love that word wildly underused. I think you're right about that. Um, they they don't deserve it, but I mean. The Panthers are starting P.J. Walker. He literally did not complete a pass that went longer than one yard past the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I understand it. And it, it, it's almost the logic of like, you know, that the Bucs aren't going to have that let down again. But 
you know, as the Packers have taught us, uh, it's, it's very possible. So <laughs> uh, possible statement game for the Buccaneers. Uh, also possible like full on panic game if they find a way to, to lose that or, or even, you know, keep it close because it really shouldn't be uh, all that close uh, to me. You know, Bengals Falcons, Bengals six and a half point favorites. Is that a little too high? I mean, the Falcons are six and zero against the spread. They're, they're not getting any respect here. Uh, you know, obviously they, they were able to take advantage of those injuries for the 49ers last week, but I mean, alarming levels of friskiness coming out of Atlanta. Oh yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's coming through the walls uh, of my apartment, uh, mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm starting to see people like with Falcons flags on their cars and stuff again. Oh, I, no. I hadn't seen that since I moved down here in July of 21. Uh, yeah, it, it, it any Falcons fans out or in this area have been very secretive about it now they're now less so and you know what good for them it's been a little bit tough uh for them in recent years um our 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 special guest that that walked through a couple minutes ago we talk about the falcons all the time he's like how about them and i'm like man they are covering machines and you know what i hope vegas keeps posting these these big numbers for for the falcons to cover because they they're gonna do it i i'm totally with you here i'm i'm strong on the Falcons, and it's interesting how the how the market is shaped up for this one. It looks like the money is basically even on either side uh, when it comes to this one, but but there's more betting volumes, like so more number of bets uh, coming in on the Falcons. So that that seems to imply that there there's some more big bets on the Bengals being able to to you know kind of take care of business here. But I I'm I'm riding with this Falcons team. They they are scrappy. They are going to play a 60 minute game against these Bengals. I think they keep it mm-hmm. keep it within this number. Yeah, at some point the Bengals offense is going to break out. I remain convinced. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this week. I think we saw glimpses of it. You know, they had the long touchdown to Chase at the end of that game last week against the Saints. But that's also a Saints team that was missing a ton of guys. Marshawn Lattimore left that game. Paulson Adebo was banged up. Um, you know, not not quite the convincing win that you would like to see from Cincinnati. And I'm with you on the Ravens too. I've kind of reversed course. Like they, they're the team that I I've, I've been kind of wrong about, you know, they've had some weird losses, but I'm really concerned, not really about the way that they've lost these games. I think they'll get that turned around. Lamar's had kind of two subpar weeks in a row, but Rashad Bateman still limited Thursday. JK Dobbins did not practice on Thursday. Mark Andrews also did not practice on Thursday. So uh, a little concerned about that injury situation for Baltimore. Definitely need to monitor that. I, I'm going to bring up the elephant in the room. Why are the Jags three-point favorites against the Giants? It, it took us a whole 13 minutes to get there. Dang. But <laughs> I I don't understand it. Um, I, I don't think that uh, most of the public is buying it. It looks like so, something of like 80% of the betting volume is, is coming in on, on the G-men. And, I mean, the way that the Giants are playing, the, I mean, if you just looked at blind resume and, and records, you'd be like, oh, the, the Giants kind of like have to be favored in this one. Um, so I don't really, this, this one, I mean, how do you, as someone who is as invested as you are on the, on the Jaguar side of this, you know, what do you make of the Jags checking in as favorites here? I was shocked. I was shocked. Uh, I mean, they are at home, so I, I get that, but I, I thought this would be maybe Jags minus one Jags minus one and a half could be a pick them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I guess it, it, it puts me in a conundrum here. And, and if you read my beating the book article on rotowire.com, I, I tried to lay this out. Like this is a nightmare matchup for me personally, because <laughs> I, I like at this point, I'm like hate watching the Jags after these last three weeks, it's been an abomination. And the giants are the one team that I've been preaching. Like, this is not a good team. I know they're five and one, but they are not good. And, you know, they knock off the Packers. They knock off the Ravens. 
Um, so now it's like I, I'm forced to pick between two teams that I actually don't think are good. And I, I think I'm going to back the Jags. I think I am. Like it, it, it this, this, told, this seems to me uh, like the line is so off from what I feel like it should be that I got to chalk it up to a, you know, the odds makers at that MGM know something that I don't. Um, there's a reason the Jags are three point favorites. They, they must like something there. So I'm just going to kind of blindly follow that. But yeah, man, I, I, I thought the Jags were really well coached early on. They still are. Um, but you know, to, to not sack Matt Ryan one time on like 58 pass attempts, that was, that was pretty concerning for that defense. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, they, he, on paper had a really efficient day. I think he was like 20 of 22, but if you watch it, it's a lot of quick passes. It's getting the ball out. It's easy throws. I think they're trying to simplify things for him. And that's not what you want from a guy who's supposed to be, you know, a big time franchise quarterback. Um, you know, he's, they're basically kind of turning him into this, like kind of, it reminds me of like, almost like Ohio state style, uh, you know, make the easy throw first read, second read. If it's not there, you know, Trevor Lawrence basically is just taking the sack or, or getting rid of the ball. Yeah. Um, so there, there's just not a lot of downfield threat right now. And that was such a big part of their game early on. And they've, they also haven't gotten James Robinson going in a few weeks now. I mean, he was like a top five fantasy running back through the first few weeks of the season. That's completely fallen off. Um, but that, that game to me is, is really, really confusing. I, I don't really have uh, a strong lean there. Uh, any other and, games that you feel like are a little too high? Uh, and, and I guess just like finishing the, the Jags talk, uh, Jags corner, um, I will say that the Ravens, Sands J.K. Dobbins, were able to run all over the New York Football Giants last uh-huh. week, and so and drink, uh, we're start we're starting to see ETN come on a little bit stronger, which which is good for my fantasy leagues, but I, I think yep. it's also good for the Jaguars. And so if if Robinson can kind of tap back in to his form and ETN, like I could definitely see that case where the, where the Jags just kind of run wild in this yeah. one and maybe the defense creates enough havoc on their side without uh getting too many dumb penalties from my guy Trayvon Walker uh and and you know fi- find a way to to cover the spread or, or to get it done uh completely because yeah I still feel like the Giants on a on a talent basis uh do lag behind and they're they're kind of playing with like regression is due at some point with, with them it almost has to be and you know may, maybe this is indeed uh, the spot to to uh, point that out. But uh, I thought other than that, maybe, maybe uh, Dallas uh, covering seven against uh, the Lions. But that, that would be more if basically the way I see the, the Cowboys not covering is Dak having some rust. And then the Lions offensive line, which is about as good as any in the NFL, just kind of mitigating that pass rush that Dallas has. And, you know, we we saw what happened Sunday night when that pass rush isn't kind of taking over a game. Uh, It it can kind of fall apart a little bit for Dallas. And obviously they had the the turnovers from Cooper rush too, to, to kind of like speed things up towards the, towards the end, uh, towards an unfavorable result for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. But uh, my point being, if this Lions team can, can keep golf upright and there's some rust on Dak, then maybe uh, seven ends up being a little bit too high for Dallas. Yeah, I'm with you on there. I I like Dallas to win this game. I don't know that I like them to cover. In fact, I'm taking Detroit uh, against the spread. But yeah, it's it's the Dak Prescott issue. You know, he didn't look great in week one. That's for sure. When he was healthy before the injury, a lot of rust. You know, obviously it's an injury to his hand. That's that's very concerning for a quarterback who, as you know, John, uses his hands to throw Mm. the football. Um, and the other even. thing too is the lines are coming off a bye. The lines have had two weeks to prepare. And 
you know, Dan Campbell isn't exactly Bill Belichick in that regard, but still it's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of prep time and, you know, you should be getting some pretty major pieces back. Uh, if you're Detroit, you know, I think it, it was a noticeable drop-off, not necessarily when Swift went out, but when Amon Ross St. Brown uh, tweaked that leg, uh, I think it was against Minnesota ever since then, like that was kind of the, the, the inflection point. It felt like for this Detroit offense. So if he's back to being the guy that he was early on, I think that changes things tremendously for the lions. What about on the other side? Any lines this week that are, are a little bit too low for you? Um, so let's see here. So the this Broncos one kind of has the similar vibes as the Jaguars uh, versus the Giants, where uh, the team that's favored, you wouldn't kind of expect to be favored. I mean, we, we've been I, I talked to, with uh, Mario Puig on the uh, on the Roadwire Fantasy Football podcast about how, you know, maybe there's something to be said for the way that like the the Jets have all this positive momentum going, having won three straight, and then the collective American public basically getting uh, the clockwork orange, like you have to watch the Denver Broncos on primetime every single week. And Uh. that like that colors our perspective on Denver so much to where um, we wouldn't expect them to, to win this game. And we would we'd be like, oh, my gosh, like my knee jerk reaction was absolutely like, I'm going to hammer jets plus three. And, and in the midst of me writing my, my article on, on Tuesday, I think the line changed like a point and a half. Um, yeah. and, and it, it continues to go, uh, downward. It ke- continues to Getting go in that direction towards the jets. Yeah, not for real though. So, um, that one is, is just a fascinating one to me. Yeah. I really don't know what to make of it. And it, it uh, I hate how I'm being put in this pretzel to where it's like, Oh my God, do I have to back the Broncos here? Yeah, I, I always talk about, you know, my confidence points, Pick'em League, which is just straight up. We're not talking spreads there, but, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a good way, I think, to kind of align how you feel about each game. And I've had Broncos Jets at the very bottom all week. I, that is a I don't know what's going to happen type of situation. I do feel I do feel like the Jets are the better team right now. I, I think they might have more collective talent, especially on offense. I like a lot of their pieces, but I think they've been able to get away with Zach Wilson being very limited. And mm-hmm. at some point, you know, like this Broncos defense, they are completely absolved of, of everything that's going on in Denver. They've been fantastic. I mean, they're number two in DVOA right now behind Buffalo. I mean, they have been really, really good. And if there is a defense out there, I think that could force Zach Wilson to make some throws, to be uncomfortable, uh, to, to create some turnovers. I think it is Denver. And it just feels like this is a game that's going to be played in the teens. You know, it's, it's going to be like 19 to 17 one way or the other. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen at all. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to pick the Jets straight up. Um, so I guess I'll take them to cover as well. Uh, just just because the Broncos seem to like they always find a way to um, you know back their way out of these games. It's just been it's been horrific. But um, yeah, I, it, it's it's a really tough one. I mean, obviously going on the road too. It's it's yet another game where if it was in New York, no question, I, I would take the Jets. But um, you know, not only being on the road, but being on the road at altitude does make you think twice. And we also have Elijah Moore, you know, asking for a trade. So you know, a little bit of potential internal turmoil uh, with the Jets. Although Elijah Moore obviously hasn't been doing a whole lot for that offense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the Patriots this week. They play the Monday night game against the Chicago bears who somehow continue to weasel their way into primetime games. And huh. by the way, I got some bad news for you. The Broncos play in London next week against the Jags. So uh, have fun getting up early to watch that one. But yeah, I like only count that as like a one is like a 0.5 national TV game. Like, yeah. like, yes, it is. And it counts, but yep. I, I have no qualms about sleeping through the first half of that guy. 
Yeah. I mean, the Jags, as we know, their only primetime games are London and Thursdays. It's been 11 years since they played a Sunday or a Monday night game. Just a preposterous, one of the most unbreakable records in sports that nobody talks about. I don't think, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again. (laughs) Um, You know, one line that I'm looking at that I I feel like might be a little low and, and it's a big number. So I'll be interested to see your take. Pats are up to eight point favorites at home against Chicago on Monday night uh, over at bet MGM total sitting at 39 and a half. Should the Pats be favored by more than eight against this bears team? Probably. Um, that, that That's well said, it, you know, like wait, I don't think either of us like in a vacuum are, are thinking that like the Patriots are, are that type of offensive juggernaut that usually right. comes with the team being favored by, by well over a touchdown. But uh, the zap man, How's it going? Uh, he's cooking. Um, so Zappy Nation uh, is here to stay. Mac Jones, pack your bags. Um, but wow. you know the 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 big the big factor here, of course, is just how terrible the Bears are. And like I think that you know we we saw a situation the other week where Belichick was able to put Dan Campbell into a pretzel. Like I don't even know if we've seen the type of shape of pretzel that Belichick is going to put. Uh, was it Matt Eberflus? Uh, into uh, the this week, I mean the the Justin Fields is. I would bet under him completing fourteen passes in in this game. Like that, it's going to be ugly. And I, I, yeah, I love the Patriots in this spot. I, I swore uh, after Monday night, where uh, uh, noted listener, RotoWire soccer employee uh, Chris Owen, we share a survivor team. We actually flipped coin flipped our way out of going Ravens and Survivor last week and into Chargers, but that was a torture chamber in its own right. And at the end of that game, I'm like, never again, never again. Monday night, uh, I'm going back to that. Well, I'm I might be just like chasing the dragon of, of the thrill of having Monday night Survivor because yeah. frankly, the rest of the, the Monday night games on their own have been pretty bad. Yeah, not all of them, not like the Thursday games, but uh, there there is something to having Survivor juice uh, on a Monday night. There is, there is. And I, I tend to go the opposite. Like in, in the pick'em league, for example, I always go low on Thursdays. Uh, part of it has been, it feels like every Thursday game is a 50, 50, but like, you don't want to start off the week, you know, going 12 on a team and then they lose and you feel like you're just in this hole. You have no chance to have a good week. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I know that's probably not the smart way to attack it, but uh, yeah, I try to play conservative there. They're the complete opposite of the way that you're going. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that chargers Broncos game, man, I, I, we didn't even mention the Chargers as potentially the fourth best team, even though they are four and two and they have a ton of talent. But I, I just feel like coaching remains an issue for them. Obviously, injuries are a problem. I, I think I think by the end of the year, it wouldn't surprise me if they're in that mix as a top five team. But it, until they get you know a lot of their guys back, Bosa, um, you know, Keenan Allen doesn't sound like he's going to play again this week. Uh, they're they're just a really really difficult team to trust. Yeah, they they you can trust them to underperform. Yeah, that, that's about it. You can trust them to play to the level of their competition, which is a frustrating team uh, to mm-hmm. to you know be backing one way or the other. All right. So for the first time in a couple of weeks, John, um, it's back to me on the read. I backed the Ravens as my best bet. I I was going on and on about how I thought this was a great spot. They were finally going to topple the Giants. They were going to send them back into mediocrity, change the narrative, and boy, did they not do that. Uh, you made a great choice. You took the Jets to cover against green Bay. Not only did they cover, they won that one by multiple scores. That was a beat down. Uh, so it's back to me on the read this week. And here we go. Kick off the new pro football season with the King of Sportsbooks. We should probably amend that by now, by the way, go into week seven of the NFL season 
with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using promo code BETROTO. That's B-E-T-R-O-T-O. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. A full rack, John. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. You must be 21 years or older to wager. However, 19 or older in Ontario. Big bonus if you're living in Ontario. This is a new customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards are issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. They are non-withdrawable. You cannot withdraw them. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. And John, listen up. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please, for the love of God, gamble responsibly. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER. A nice catchy number in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 in Tennessee or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Boom, there we go. Man, uh, spoken and read like a man who invented Mm -hmm. the language itself. Pretty good. We're getting better. We're getting better for sure. I, I think I, I, I like started laughing at how comically long this was in week one. And yeah, now, now that I'm actually ma- able to make it through uh, seven weeks into the year, we are, we are cooking with gas here. Um, I, I, so in the midst of that, I, I, I got to thinking, uh, it, it, of course, uh, you know, taking heed of, of every uh, word spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to come up with something funny for the non-reader to do, or maybe some sort of other like, I don't know, physical chat, like just hold, holding a plank while uh, while the other person is reading. And so like they're, they're sort of like a, a buddy system, like the, the better you do, the better I yeah. do. Um, the, the, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll workshop it, but there, there could like be uh, some sort of holding a passive squat uh, while, while the sure. other one re- reads, you know, just to, you know, get, keep the visual uh, like going for, for our uh, live live viewers here. Maybe we should call one of these numbers live and like talk to talk to an advisor and just like see what they say. What's going on? Like, hey, <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> do you this like week? the Bengals this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, so I, I pulled up a a tweet from earlier this week from my, my guy Femi Abebefe, uh over at Veasan. Uh, you know, hosted a lot of a lot of shows with him. Really good guy. Very knowledgeable on the NFL, and he, he did a a good job of kind of setting the scene. Uh, as far as what the landscape was at this point in the season last year, when you're starting to look at some of these future bets. So heading into week seven in 2021, 
Uh, Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott were co-MVP favorites at four to one. Trayvon Diggs was the favorite for defensive player of the year. Kyler Murray was the favorite for offensive player of the year. Jamar Chase was the offensive rookie of the year favorite. Micah Parsons, defensive rookie of the year favorite. Uh, Brandon Staley was the coach of the year favorite at this juncture at four to one. And look, the the point that Femi is making here is things change rapidly. Uh, only a handful of those guys uh, ended up taking home the awards, and and you know a lot of those guys were not even in the mix a few weeks later. So as, as you know, it's important as you look through futures odds specifically to take into account that none of this is gospel. A ton will change over the second half of the year. Uh, but with that said, it's still fun to look at. Uh, there's nothing yeah. I enjoy more than looking at futures odds at any point in the sports calendar. And yeah, that... we haven't we haven't really talked MVP all that much on this show. And you know, I'm looking over on this this kind of little cool little website I found, rotowire.com. Mm. Uh, How's your navigation? Really, really good. And it's new, Sparkle. too. They just got this brand new navigation. They're doing a ton of traffic. Things are great oh. over at Rotowire. And they, they list all the odds from a bunch of sports books. But look, I only care about one sports book, and that's Bad MGM. And Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, those are the only four players whose MVP odds are lower than 22 to 1. So... Uh, do you buy or sell that it is a four-man race from here on out, or is there anyone else that could sneak into this? Well, I mean, the, those odds are, are pretty stark, um, but I think you know, to to your point on on the lead-in uh, that that um, your your Veasan buddy made, that there there's always time uh, in the NFL season to go ahead and, and try to you know get buy low uh, on one of these futures, um, and and so I think that. Yes, guys, like, like it's going to be really tough to unseat Josh Allen, like plus 150. That's pretty strong, especially when when Hertz is, be- is behind a plus 400. I would fade Hertz at, at that price. Yeah. Um, I think that some form of regression is coming. Um, but, you know, I, I think that uh, Herbert is going to be basically uh, hamstrung by games like what we saw against Denver. Uh, just the... The Chargers are talented, we would say, but like it feels like they just don't get the most out of it. And the coaching, I think, has a lot to do with that. So I don't think that Herbert has that like hot like month and a half that you need mm-hmm. to to really get back in this race. I would say of these kind of longer shots out of those top four, you know, Mahomes and, and Jackson being the, the next two up behind Allen and Hurts. It's probably Joe Burrow because, you know, like, like we've been kind of like alluding to throughout the course of the pod, it's like, well, uh, no, the the Bengals haven't gotten it going yet, but we haven't written off the possibility that they could get going. And we mm-hmm. know what it looks like when they do. And and when that's happening, Burrow is absolutely playing at an MVP level. Yep. Yeah, he was my favorite uh, coming into the year. And I think his odds are virtually unchanged. I think he was like 22 or 25 to 1 coming into week one. So you're, you're, you're not really losing any value there. Um, and, and yeah, one of those four, you know, either there's going to be an injury or there's going to be a, a drop off. Like, I, I don't think that's going to be the top four when, when week 18 concludes, I, there's just not enough value. I think you're right. And like, I, I don't love Lamar quite enough at eight to one. If he was like 15 to one, maybe I would think about it. Uh, to me, right. it feels like Josh Allen's to lose. And mm-hmm. unless he gets hurt, I, I think it, it, everything's kind of been building toward this being his year. You know, Mahomes has his MVP. He has his super bowl. Um, you know, I, I think the bills, even though they don't have the best record, I think they've, they're the best team right now. And I think he's going to have the best numbers at the end of the year, even better than Jalen hurts. So, um, not a lot of value, obviously at, at plus plus one fifty, but I do think, you know, six, seven weeks from now that, that, that might be minus money. So uh, a little bit of value 
in betting Josh Allen, but it's just interesting to me that there's such a drop off. And yeah, other than Burrow and Herbert who have kind of obvious cases that, that anybody could lay out. It's like beyond that, like I'm not betting Tom Brady at 40 to one. I, I don't think his touchdown numbers they're they're too much. He's in too much of a hole right now. Um, yep. I don't think he's going to win it. Like I'm not, I'm not betting Kirk cousins. That's for sure. He's at 40 to one, like Rogers, Rogers was probably never going to win it anyway. Like he's not going to go three in a row. That's, that's almost impossible to do. Um, you know, and then you're getting into like Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford. And, um, and then it's, you know, receivers, running backs who just don't really win that award anymore. So it's, it's an interesting field this year. Um, I, I also dug up a, you know, a future for receiving yards leader, not, not exactly, uh, you know, a hot debate topic like MVP is, but Tyreek Hill plus five fifty to lead the NFL in receiving yards. He is the current leader right now. I would not have guessed that. I would have guessed cup. I would have guessed Jefferson, maybe Stefan Diggs. Um, but I, I think he's in the right offense for this. You know, he's had, he's had kind of these big feast or famine games, but when he goes off, he really goes off. And I think this dolphins offense, if Tua can stay healthy the rest of the way, I, I, I think we we've kind of gotten an unfair look at, at what this, this offense can be over the last few weeks. They haven't even scored 20 points in a few games. If they could pick up where they left off before Tua went down, um, I, I think Tyreek Hill could be set up really well here. So getting that at almost six to one, uh, something I would think about. No, absolutely. Especially when, you know, uh, at bed MGM that puts him third, uh, yeah. but behind Jefferson and Diggs. So, um, no, I love, I love that call for Tyreek Hill. The fact that, that he's leading the league yeah, he's in, leading in like receiving yards. yards. That's, that's extremely impressive considering, you know, that, uh, we've had some mix of banged up to, uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson uh, throwing him the ball um, in in recent weeks. Like it, it, he's not just a guy who's only benefiting from like the the uh, the shootout games earlier this season. He's putting up big numbers, like basically uh, regardless of who's throwing him the ball. Mm-hmm. Guy is just unbelievable. He's outperformed how I expected him to do this year. Yep, I kind of like begrudgingly took him in the second round uh, of uh, the the beat John McKechnie Rotowire uh, draft on NFFC. And I was like, I mean, like, I, I guess, but uh, I've he, he is a a key cog to that squad. Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill to start off. We're we're in, we're in okay shape there. Ooh, I'd like to hear that quite a bit. Mm. Um, you know, coming into the year, it was like it felt like both Hill and Waddle were being downgraded. There was this belief that they would cannibalize each other they have multiple games already where they've both gone over a hundred yards. Like that has not been the case whatsoever. And again, I, I don't think we've gotten really a fair look at this dolphins offense for the last few games. So hopefully they pick up where they left off. Uh, the last future I want to hit before we return to week seven offensive rookie of the year, getting very, very interesting. Uh, it, like week to week, it's just changed dramatically. Like people forget coming into week one, George Pickens was the favorite for offensive rookie of the year that's preseason a, baby that's how much of a crapshoot this was and still is and you know now ironically enough we have three running backs with the lowest odds Brees hall damian pierce kenneth walker all three are eight to one or lower Brees hall plus 275 right now at bet mgm I, I i think he's rightfully the favorite and i i do think that at this juncture it's probably his award to lose but i also think kenneth walker is going to be in a really good spot the rest of the year yeah, Walker gets to to close the year hot. Um, I, I feel like things have changed a lot since the last time that Damian Pierce took the field. You know, and and uh, that you know the Texans being on a bye, uh, Walker getting his first start during that time, and Brees Hall turning in a good game. Like that, they've kind of understandably kind of re- retaken over the spotlight. But I, I think it's it, it's crazy to me as someone who you know analyzes the draft, especially from like a fantasy perspective. 
this class, what was the first thing that anyone talked about with the with these rookies for fantasy? It's like, oh my God, we have another insane receiver class, and oh my God, you know that this is a a two ish running back class, and and you know not a whole lot else. Pierce has done so well for himself um, that this year. I mean, it always felt like whoever Houston took was going to be able to to put up decent numbers, but. I didn't expect even with like the fortuitous circumstances of like potentially being the lead back uh, that, that most guys could produce the way that, that uh, Damian Pierce has thus far. So it's, it's wild to me narrative wise, just how hyped up this receiving class was. And yet it, it is the running backs topping the board uh, with those top three guys. Right. And I think Olave, who he's 10 to one right now at that MGM. So I, I do think that he's still going to be very much in the mix. You know, the concussion, uh, seem like a minor setback from him. He'll be back uh, this week, so we'll, we'll we'll see what he's able to do the rest of the way. I think he'll he'll be in the mix. But you know what I kept saying all along about these receivers is I like I like all these receivers individually. I think almost all of them, with the exception of Olave, just landed in bad spots. Yep, yep. I I, th- I thought that way with with Garrett Wilson. Um, John Dotson has done a lot better than I think. My, uh, I, it's hard to remember a a first round receiver that has like gotten less buzz than him basically well that's that's the thing he's on the commanders yeah he's gonna be he's he's gonna have taylor heineke throwing to him if he even plays this week right so that there is that issue to it but yeah just more speaking in the general just like it it's dotson doesn't get talked about like like your average uh first round uh receiver but yeah it's an interesting mix the rest of the way i mean romeo dobbs in consideration there as well um you know we we see and I'm I'm loving this, and and maybe this is the way to go. This is I would love to see the odds a little bit longer because it is so crazy and such a not guarantee that he does things the rest of the way. I but I, know, I think I know where you're going here. Bailey Zappi plus sixteen yes. hundred. Yes. I mean, if he's starting the rest of the season and the Patriots make the playoffs, yes, that, that might be that might be the rocket fuel. Right. That might be the one. I I'm glad you brought that up, and I thought the same thing. I was like, if that was forty to one, thirty to one. You know, maybe I would, I would lay some change there, but I, I, I just don't really see a scenario where Mac Jones doesn't at least get a chance to get this job back. Like he's going to be given every single opportunity, and I, I don't see Mac Jones coming back and floundering to the point where they go back to Bailey Zappi. But I do. I, I mean, maybe. you know, it, you do. I kind of do. I think Mac Jones is terrible. Really? Okay. I, I just think, I mean, the level of investment that they have in Mac Jones, I, I think they owe it to him. Fair. Um, you know, to to at least have a chance here, and you know, I mean, Bailey Zappi's had some pretty appealing matchups. The last couple of weeks, like if he goes off this week against the Bears, I don't think I don't think you're like, man, we, we can't go away from this guy. It's like, yeah, Mac mm-hmm. Jones probably would do the same thing. Uh, but no, I, I like where your head's at. I, I think I would rather bet Bailey Zappi at 16 to one than I would like Kenny Pickett at 12 to one. Oh, yeah. Like every single time and, and twice on Sunday for for that mm-hmm. bet. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just throwing that out there. That that one is pretty interesting. And I'm glad that you, yep. you're at least picking up what I'm putting down to an extent. Okay, let's uh, let's return to the board for week seven. Uh, we, of course, will go back to the BetMGM Sportsbook for all of our odds. And we'll just run through the games that we haven't hit on so far. Um, any any closing thoughts on Browns-Ravens, which we did touch on, you know, a line that might be a little bit too high, but Ravens sitting at six and a half. I mean, what's the feel on that for you as, as a Ravens insider? Um, so uh, the the Ravens, they should be getting Bateman back, which is good. But like you said, Mar- Mark Andrews dealing with the knee. We don't know what, what's up with J.K. Dobbins. Ravens are traditionally good at home. 
but I, I do worry about, and, you know, earlier in the season, you would say that the Ravens blew those games against offenses that were explosive, like the Dolphins, like the Bills. Um, but blowing it against the Giants is like a whole other level. And that makes me think that even if the Ravens have a lead on the Browns, the Browns can find a way to catch back up. I think this is a huge like smash spot for Nick Chubb because I don't think that this Ravens linebacking core, um, if if Chubb gets to the second level, like if he's even, he's leaving. Um, I think that this is a big game for Nick Chubb. And I think that, that could be the type of thing that um, just kind of really – keeps the Ravens from from pulling away in this one I think the Ravens find a way to win by a field goal but uh, you know again that's a different different type of deal than than uh, them winning by a touchdown which is what you would need for them to cover so I'm I'm pretty strong on the Browns here honestly yeah I mean the Browns have injuries on their on their side as well they've lost uh, a lot of steam it feels like these last couple of weeks I, I do feel like this line is maybe a little bit reactionary to how bad they looked last week against new England, but yeah, I do, I do think we get a close game. I think the Ravens win at home, but the Browns probably cover that six and a half. Um, we, we hit Bucks, Panthers, we hit Falcons, Bengals, uh, we hit Lions, Cowboys, we hit Giants, Jags. We, we've been knocking these out. Uh, How about your somehow, second John, team? We have ignored what some would call the game of the week. The only game on the week seven slate featuring two teams with winning records, the Colts at the Titans, Tennessee, a two and a half point favorite at home. We saw this game just a couple of weeks ago. It went about as you'd expect. Uh, Titans end up pulling it out, but they were vastly outgained by the Colts in that game. You know, it, Indianapolis blew multiple chances to tie or, or even take the lead in that game in the second half. And Colts should be getting Jonathan Taylor back. It feels like they figured something out with that offensive line. Uh, Matt Ryan is now uh, one game clean without a single fumble. Uh, the, the record may be in jeopardy now. Um, I, I don't know where to go with this one. I, I, I think I'm going to lean Titans at home. But I'm interested to see if the Colts can somehow dig their way out of this nightmare start. I mean, it really felt like they were one loss away, um, you know, from, from this thing going completely haywire and, and completely off the rails. And all of a sudden now they win this game at Tennessee and, and they're in control of the division. Right. So that, there's some interesting factors there when it comes to Indianapolis. And yeah, if the, if the ground game uh, returns with, with Jonathan Taylor, then, you know, this is a whole different looking offense. I don't think we see Matt Ryan drop back as much this time around, but but where I've been landing on this for this game is Vrabel and coming off a bye for for these Titans. Like I, I think that they are going to be ready to roll. They they know um, they know the way in which they beat Indianapolis earlier this season. You can try to replicate it there at home, and I think that they they should be able to. So I do like the Titans here. Um, it's it's an ugly game. It's probably going to be one of the most forgotten games on on like NFL Red Zone as far as like screen time. Uh, right. But I don't know. A div- if the AFC South usually produces some some funky uh, divisional matchups here, so I'm I'm expecting something along those lines. But I do like the Titans here. I like the Titans. I, I like the under forty two and a half. That's for sure. I think these are two teams, Tennessee especially, that really want to run clock. I think Tennessee, you know, it, this could be one of those games where each team only has like three possessions in the second half, like 14 play drives that end in a field goal or like a 15 play drive where the Colts have the ball at the Titans 20. And then Matt Ryan takes like a 17 yard sack and they end up punting. I I, I, I could kind of foresee that script playing out. Yeah. The it, Ryan, it, it, you know, that talking about like being due for regression and stuff like, it, you know, where, with the rate at which he was fumbling and getting sacked 
heading into last week, it 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 almost like that. It's almost like that game exists outside the universe. It's all going to come rushing back this week. We're going to see Matt Ryan putting the ball on the ground. Yeah, I, I think he knows. He's uh, he's chasing history, right? I mean, he, he needs he needs he probably needs. We need two the fumbles. cut ins. He needs two fumbles this week, I think, to be back on track and, and really feel good about breaking that record. Um, Packers Commanders. I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about the Packers anymore. I'm pretty convinced that this is no longer a, a Super Bowl contending team as currently constructed. I think they'll they'll make some calls on receivers. I, I don't know if they'll land anybody quite dynamic enough to really change their course. But, I mean, to me, la- last week was a big statement game for Green Bay, a chance to bounce back after blowing that lead in London to the Giants. Obviously, they fall completely flat. That went about as badly as it could have, especially with the game being at Lambeau. Now you're on the road at the Commanders, and I, I honestly feel worse about this game for Green Bay with Taylor Heineke. Like, I feel like there's some more some variance here. And you know, the Commanders played them pretty tough last year with Heineke at quarterback. Uh, it's not a P.J. Walker situation. He shouldn't be quite that limited. Obviously, Green Bay should win this game, but I mean, they're, they're in betting jail for me at this point. I, I don't trust them at all. My yeah, my my gut reaction on Tuesday when I saw a five and a half, I was like, I'm I'm all over the commanders here. Yeah. Um it's well, it's down to four and a half now, thankfully. Yeah. It, exactly. So that makes it tougher, of course. Um but you know, my, my line on the Packers has been like I don't trust them to cover big numbers, but I do generally trust them to beat teams that are worse than them. So in in kind of wrestling with it, I think I am going to side with with the Packers. Mm-hmm. After all, I just hopeful. I'm just hoping that basically uh, Green Bay can mitigate the one good thing that Washington has going for it. It's it's front four, and the rest of it just kind of follows. And, and Green Bay is able to escape FedEx um, with a semi convincing victory. But yeah, I mean, f- full disclosure, um, I was fully on Washington earlier this week. So you know, t- take all of that one with, with a grain of salt. This is a really really tr- uh, tricky game to pick. I mean, it's insane that we're even saying this, like the Reds or the Redskins. Wow. The commanders uh, super banged up on their backup quarterback. And we're like, man, I don't know if the Packers could pull this off. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't, I don't see a world in which I come out of this game feeling great about the Packers. I, I think they win. No I'm taking them to win straight up, but I pick the commanders to cover. I, I think if green Bay wins, it's like a, a really unconvincing, like 24 to 20, or you know, maybe they don't even get to 20 points. I mean, this offense it, to me, what what strikes me about Green Bay is like it feels like they, on both sides of the ball, like they know they're not a good team right now, and they're almost like leaning into it, right? I mean, they don't they they're not playing like a team that that feels like they're just you know a couple pieces away from breaking through, or you know a week away from a different scheme, and all of a sudden they're back. I mean, it feels like they know that they're they're really in trouble right now, and they they haven't really done anything over the last three weeks to inspire any confidence. So yeah, I think they come out of this with a win, but I don't really think we feel any better about green Bay after this week, nope. Houston coming off the bye at the Las Vegas Raiders uh, does sound like the Raiders will not have Darren Waller for this game. I mean, he's been just a tremendous bust uh, in terms of fantasy. I still like the Raiders here though. I, I like the Raiders minus seven. I made that my best bet. Uh, so if based on how those have been going, uh, make sure you fade that. I think I'm like one in five on best bets and staff picks this, this year. Um, somehow I'm over 500. Uh, in terms of spread picks, but I've just been complete opposite on, on all of my best bets, but I think it's a good spot for the Raiders. Uh, they're also coming off of a buy. They're the vastly more talented team. And to me, I mean, they, they absolutely need this game. If the Raiders find a way to lose at home to the Texans, I'm pretty confident saying their season is over as far as making the playoffs. 
Yeah, this is they they cannot screw this up. Um, they they absolutely need to get it done. And they 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 probably didn't want that by right after that Chiefs game. They probably you know right. the way that they lost that game, they probably wanted to just get right back to right back to work. But they've had to kind of sit and stew in it over these last couple of weeks. And I thought Josh Jacobs looked so good last time out. Yep. Um, the Waller thing is disappointing, of course, but like I, I do feel like the Raiders on balance have a lot of skill talent with, with that, even without them. You know, I do like Hunter Renfro a lot. Devontae Adams, one of the best in the league. Um, Matt Collins has obviously turned in a, a good season. Matt, Matt Collins from Montgomery County, Maryland, for the record. Um, sure. So, you know, so, you know, he's he's got that dog in him um, as as I do as well, of course. As anybody um, from that area does. <laughs> yeah, just wearing Brooks Brothers. Um, but but um, let's see here. Um, yeah, I do. I do believe that the Raiders they should they need to cover this one, and so we're we're putting that pressure on them. I think that that's enough yep. to to put them over the edge here. Let's let's go. Uh, you know, the the autumn wind is a Raider. Yeah. I would love for this number to be like five and a half, but even at seven, I'll I'll take the plunge. Uh, we got a few more. We'll run through these quickly. Seahawks Chargers Chargers five and a half point favorites. Uh, again, doesn't sound like we'll get Keenan Allen back in this game, at least based on some quotes from him this week. I don't know what to think about Seattle. I thought last week they, they could put up like 60 points against Arizona. They end up winning that game. Neither team really does much of anything on offense. And I, I think they'll be able to move the ball against the Chargers. You know, still a lot of pieces missing on that defense. I mean, they they benched J.C. Jackson, the $82 million man, uh, yeah. for the second half last week. I mean, that that's a huge red flag, uh, especially going up against a team that has been able to air it out. So um, I like the Chargers to win this game. I mean, the over-under sitting at 50 and a half. I, I think this could be a fireworks game on offense. Um, it, it's kind of me just siding with Justin Herbert over Geno Smith, but I, I think Seattle has the coaching advantage. And I don't I don't think the difference in talent, especially on offense, um, is all that much right now. If Keenan Allen doesn't play, I think Seattle, you could argue, um, you know, Lockett, Metcalf, and Kenneth Walker. I don't know. Is, is that really that big of a downgrade from Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and whoever you think that the Chargers' third best weapon is? I don't know. So I, I think we get, I mean, these teams are, these have been the two most chaotic teams in the NFL for like 15 straight years. Yeah. <laughs> Something weird is going to happen here. Like this could be, this game is on score. watch like this, this could be like a, uh, like one of those games where like, like how did, how did this team get to this number? You know, it'll be like 32 to 29, something like mm -hmm. that. Um, I can assure you that there will be some weird things happening. Yes. That, that, that much is certain. Not much else is, um, it's interesting to me the way that uh, the market is shaped up for this one, um, where the Seahawks are extremely public um, as five and a half point dogs. Uh, I think it's understandable. I, I think most people's knee jerk reaction after watching Justin Herbert throw zero touchdowns on 57 pass attempts was, oh, wow, that offense is pretty busted. Well, it felt like how many times are, like Justin Herbert drops back and all of a sudden he's like 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage, like whipping a ball sidearm for a four yard game. <laughs> Exactly. So I don't think Seattle can do that. Um, and I don't think that Seattle quite has like the, the Patrick Sertan type to, to really lock Mike Williams down. But I think that that is a concern for, for the Chargers. I think it, it was a definite statement that Mike Williams probably needs a Batman to his Robin. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is kind of how it is. So no Keenan Allen. You got I got myself, you know, putting in fab bids for DeAndre Carter this past week and oh you know Josh Palmer I'm like holding like some weird optimism for it's not a good group of receivers once you get past Mike Williams and if they take Mike Williams out of the equation then the Chargers really do struggle um 
this is, yeah, against everything that I've seen, really, I am going to take the Chargers to cover. I, I hate I hate it. I hate betting on them. But I, I feel like th- this is just so lopsided uh, as far as like the, the public momentum towards Seattle. I, I'm just going to cut across the grain there a little bit. We got the Chiefs at the 49ers. Really interesting game. Uh, to me, this one 100% comes down to who's active for the 49ers. They have a laundry list of injuries. It kind of feels like maybe half of the guys that they were missing last week come back, and even that would be enough to make a big difference. I do still like the Chiefs here, though. I, I think their offense, even, even against a fully healthy 49ers defense, that's a really fun matchup, but I, I think I give the slight edge still to Kansas City. They're, they're still way up there in DVOA. I, I thought they played the Bills pretty well last week. Um, obviously kind of a, a redux of some of the, the games that we've seen from those two teams uh, in the past, but uh, two and a half points is the spread in this one chiefs minus two and a half on the road. I think that number will probably move a half point, maybe a point depending uh, on what's going on with the 49ers injuries. But uh, regardless, I, I think I'll end up back in the chiefs come Sunday morning. I'm, a, I'm on Kansas city as well. Kind of begrudgingly um, because I, I really do like a lot of the things about the, uh, the 49ers and the fact that they're at home. Uh, and the the fact that they're coming off of a, kind of a butt whooping at the hands yeah. of the Atlanta Falcons, whereas Chiefs might be licking their wounds after a game they they definitely really had to get up for the, this past week. But even still, I mean the the Mahomes Garoppolo difference I think is enough to carry me t- towards uh, the side of Kansas City. All right, and that brings us because we did already talk Bears Pats. That brings us to Steelers Dolphins. Dolphins a touchdown favorite against Kenny Pickett and or Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I, you know, I wrote in my article this week, like did the Steelers consider, you know, just kind of going with this two quarterback approach. Like you start Kenny Pickett, you bring in Mitch Trubisky for the fourth quarter to, to get the save. Uh, it worked remarkably effectively. I mean, that was like the best quarter of football that Mitch Trubisky has ever played. Uh, but the Dolphins with Tua coming back seven point favorites. I, I'm not really convinced that that Tua is that big of an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, the last like real throw that we saw from Tua was that like ridiculous underthrow to Tyreek Hill that ended in an interception against Cincinnati? Um, so I, I, you know, it's not like you're getting Patrick Mahomes back here, but uh, a touchdown favorite. I mean, that's that's a lot for a Steelers defense that looked looked like it finally uh, c- kind of more like an old, its old self last week, and that was without Mika Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it's um, I, it's so hard to know what to make of, of the Steelers at, at this point. I, I briefly went down a, a rabbit hole. Uh, as far as like two quarterback systems working, and I was somewhere in the in the CFB stats archive looking at a, a uh, at an Oklahoma State thing that actually involved Ma- Mason Rudolph with, with J.W. Walsh uh, being the the okay. second quarterback. Yeah, so we we went back into the archives quickly. Um, that's a that's a that's the mark of someone who is online entirely too much. Um, but uh, when it when it comes down to it. Um, I do agree that that two is not the biggest upgrade in the world over Teddy, but that that offense when it wasn't full strength earlier this season was very, very impressive. And I I do feel like the the Steelers defense, yes, it rose up a week ago. I don't see them being able to kind of capture that uh, twice in a row. Uh, They were at home. They were facing old foe Tom Brady, even though his his clothes were different uh, this time than what they were used to. Uh, They were not fooled. They were still able to, to, you know, bring the heat. I like the Dolphins to cover here. I think that okay. I think that uh, the the Steelers just have too much working against them. They they don't have a functional run game. Their quarterback situation, like sometimes it can get hot for 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 a minute or two, but I think on balance, it's not 
a workable system. So I, I will have to back the Dolphins here. All right, let's go over to Survivor real quickly. I mean, we're getting to the point where it's a little bit harder to offer definitive Survivor advice just because, you know, who knows what teams you have left at this point. But, um, you know, looking at the pick percentages uh, right now, uh, it looks like the New England Patriots will be by far the most popular team this week, understandably so. Um, you know, Tampa, Dallas, uh, even Vegas, those teams, uh, those are kind of the big four this week. Everybody else is like 4% or lower. Um, I, I think I'm going to fade Dallas, you know, uh, Dak, still some questions about the rust, the, the Lions coming off of a bye. Uh, I'm certainly fading the Packers. I don't know if a lot of people have Green Bay left or, or are even considering using them at this point, but to me, that's a stay away. I, I think I, I, I'm out in Rotowire Survivors, so this is all hypothetical, uh, but I would take the Pats and I would take the Raiders and I would take the Bucks in that order. Yeah, I, I'm on the Patriots strong this week. I, I'm not really thinking too hard any, anyone else. Um, I, I think of the go. teams that are drawing a little bit of interest, like, like you said, you know, there's kind of that 8% cutoff that, you know, that both the Raiders and, and the Bucks are, are sitting on top of. And I definitely understand the cases for both of them. But um, I think if you're trying to go a little bit off the radar, I don't think that the Bengals are the way to do it. Um, I, I, I just, I would feel uneasy going against the, this plucky group of Falcons. So um, that, that's my one like word of caution. And then yes, uh, zappy time on Monday night football. I can't wait. All right. Give me your lock of the week, John. Uh, a lot on the line here, you know, but potential having to call a, a gambler's hotline, having to do the read. Who are you locking up? You know what? Uh, I don't love doing this, but I, I'm going to. I am going to take the Cleveland Browns plus six and a half points at Baltimore. Here we wow. go. I like it. I like it. I'm going back to the strategy that has failed me five out of six weeks so far. Uh, I think I, I'm always, I keep taking favorites to cover. That means you're due. Numbers. I'm due. Exactly. That's the thing. That's my fear <laughs> is that the week that I go away from it, uh, all of a sudden the trend is going to reverse. I'm taking the Raiders. I'm locking them up to cover uh, a full touchdown and an extra point uh, against the Houston Texans. I think this is a good spot for the Raiders. Not, you know, not a buy advantage for either team. I, I just think there's a huge, huge gap in talent, especially offensively for these teams. So give me the Raiders minus seven against Houston. All right. That'll do it for the NFL portion of the pod. Appreciate everybody listening and chiming in on StreamYard and YouTube. We always appreciate that. Uh, John, best of luck in all your bets this weekend and looking forward to another fun week. Likewise, sir. Thank you very much. This was a, yet another uh, sterling episode here.